This is episode 210 of the Beyond the Food Show, and today we're going to explore the topic of healing diet, AIP protocol, and other restrictive dietary protocol in conjunction with intuitive eating. And I'm talking to an expert today, Jessica Flanagan, clinical nutritionist and author of the Loving Diet book. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Going to Beyond the Food Show. I'm Stephanie Dozier, clinical nutritionist and emotional eating expert, creator of the Going to Beyond the Food method and founder of the Going to Beyond the Food Academy. Corporate executive turned health expert with my own journey with weight, body image, and food. It's now my mission to help smart, successful women like you live confidently right now and unconditionally. Ready, sister? Let's do this. Hello, sisters. Hope you're doing well. I'm happy to be back and talk about this, what I believe could be a controversial episode around restrictive diet and healing protocol. So the first thing I want to say, if you are new to the podcast and you're beginning your journey into the world of intuitive eating and you do not have a health issue, perhaps this is not the right episode for you. So I would suggest that maybe you pause this podcast here and you go back and start perhaps around podcast 185, 186 and work your way back up to this one because this is going to be in depth and it's going to be outside of the normal circle of intuitive eating. Now, if you are someone with a health condition that you've attempted to heal manage, recover from using food, and you have not seen results, struggle, or stuck in a pattern, and you really want to get out of it, and you are loving what intuitive eating is calling out for you, and you think this could be potentially a way that you would like to live your life, but you're like feeling stuck, this is for you. In researching this episode and this topic, I was looking for a specialist, someone who still practice today in the context of using food as a way of healing health conditions. So a clinical nutritionist still in practice doing this work and how they're managing it in an open way. And is extremely difficult to find. Anyone that lives in the world or practice or currently abide with restrictive dietary protocol is not often open-minded to explore other avenue until I find or found Jessica. Jessica is a clinical nutritionist who has been in the field of autoimmune protocol for I think a total of six or seven years by now and has worked exclusively in the autoimmune um, field and has written books about it and has observed the same side effect that I had observed in my own practice. So I shared with you that I had a clinical nutrition practice in Toronto was seeing patients one after the other 
and doing recommendation with diets and supplements, like the typical nutrition practice focus on health. And I did that for four years coming out of school. And I had come to Jesus moment, come to God moment, whatever you want to call it, four years ago. And I decided to close my practice and teach about going beyond the food and intuitive eating because of my clinical observation. And for the longest time, I felt that I was alone in the world until I started to meet people like Jessica, who were observing the exact same thing as me. Funny enough, as I was putting together this podcast, a study came out from a European gastroenterology group who did a study on low FODMAP for IBS patients. And what they found through the study, which I link in the show note, is that the severity of food restriction associated with low FODMAP, if you're not familiar, low FODMAP restricts a lot of fruits and vegetables and grains because of their observed side effect on triggering gut reaction. There's no solid evidence behind that, though it's starting to build evidence on the side effect of those foods on the gut. However, what they're also observing is that Patients are presenting IBS symptoms also have disordered eating behavior. And that keeping them in a very restrictive protocol like the low FODMAP diet actually accentuate their disordered eating behavior, keeping them in the cycle of having IBS. So... As at the same time as I'm putting this this podcast together, that came in to my circle of awareness, furthermore triggering my personal observation and Jessica's observation that you'll share today, that I think there is a place for restrictive diet in healing a condition, but it should be short-term and, and this is critical here, must be in parallel with other approach to healing the condition. Meaning by that, we are not only a physical body that eats food, we are also an emotional body, a spiritual body, and a mental body. And our thoughts, our emotion, and our beliefs have an effect on our tissues, on our organs, on our system, in our body, causing potentially health condition. I shared last week, well, in the last episode, 209, the side effect of stress, this emotion called stress on our hormones and how it is more predominant in affecting our hormones than food is. And that only addressing the food element actually causes even further damage to our unbalanced hormone. What you'll find in today's episode in discussing with Jessica, that's her observation in the field of autoimmune protocol. 
that her patients or clients being so hyperly obsessed and focused with food do not step in in fully healing what's really causing the autoimmune protocol or the autoimmune conditions, sorry, that they're experiencing, keeping them obsessed with food and keeping them stuck in that pattern forever and beyond because while they're obsessing about food, they're not focused on anything else. That's what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to talk about the article that Jessica wrote that sent the AIP community in shock. The link between restrictive diet and disordered eating behavior, the link between restrictive diet and orthorexia, the danger of self-diagnosis, because many people are not seeing a practitioner like Jessica or myself to diagnose and create a protocol that specialized for them. They're managing themselves via Dr. Google, and that could be extremely dangerous for disordered eating behavior. And what is likely missing in a dietary protocol and why food alone isn't working. So I'm going to move it over to the interview with Jessica, and I'll come back at the end. Welcome to the show, Jessica. Thank you, Stephanie. I'm so excited to be here. Me too. I think we found each other by coincidence, but I think we're soul sisters somewhere in our past life. I think you're right. (laughs) So let's talk about your story first. So people probably will then connect as to how we're similar, but how did you came to do the work that you're doing today? Because it's very different than other clinical nutrition work and other AIP approach. Well, I have 20 years of being a clinical nutritionist. So I have that cool working background, but my identical twin sister was diagnosed with Hashimoto's and celiac about seven years ago. And then, you know, she of course had her twin sister to come to and say, wow, this big thing just happened to me. What can I do? And that was before the autoimmune paleo cookbooks came out, but it was when it was gaining momentum. And so she asked me about it and we did research and I said, wow, I I think you should go on that. And so that, because I was assisting her and I have the genetics, it was a very big interest to me as well. And so that started me into, you know, personal journey into how can I help someone that I love? And then my practice became almost exclusively autoimmune paleo about six years ago. So I had the luxury of working with a client base that was consistently having the same kind of situations, which helped me understand both the good and the dark, the side effects of that restriction. So for people who perhaps have not been diagnosed with an autoimmune condition, can you briefly explain what it is so we can reference base that for everyone? So the autoimmune paleo diet is a elimination restrictive diet that is meant to only be used short term. And it takes out everything that's paleo plus nuts and seeds and eggs. So it's paleo turbo, what I would call. And it's, it's designed to help people that have been diagnosed with an autoimmune condition. Yes. In that it is a guest diet. So what, what you do is 
you follow the yes, no lists and they guessed about which are all of the things that have been researched by science to provoke inflammation. Now, what we know now is, is that inflammation is extremely self-driven. So, you know, and from my perspective, we don't need to do that anymore because there's so much fantastic testing, but it is, it is a short-term elimination restrictive diet that is in theory supposed to bring inflammation down, autoimmune disease being a disease of inflammation. A few examples of autoimmune condition. I know probably 50% of the listeners know what it is, but others don't. So can you give us a few examples of what could those conditions be named? Sure, like multiple sclerosis, Hashimoto's, Crohn's, lupus, scleroderma, rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. So people that have been diagnosed, and we'll talk about that in just a minute with those conditions, in the alternative health world are being proposed this autoimmune protocol, a dietary approach to help put their autoimmune condition in remission, not treat it, correct? Correct. It is marketed as a healing diet. Okay. So let's start with that place. What I have seen in my practice and now with my population online is that people will come to the world of intuitive eating, having practice done, selected to do the autoimmune protocol. And now they're, they're feeling a lot of disordered eating which they believe to be a consequence of the autoimmune protocol. And they want to navigate their way towards more of a freedom of eating, intuitive eating environment. Correct. I see that to be true. Yes. And so let's start with the point of diagnose versus self-diagnosis, because I see a lot of that when I work one-on-one with people. Have women who have been on the AIP protocol for years, which is a whole other issue, and they have self-selected to be on that without being diagnosed with an autoimmune condition. Is that the right approach? I don't think it's the right approach because it misses a lot. But, you know, one thing to consider here is, is how we get our information now. And so a lot of people have something that is scary happen to them, or they see symptoms in their body that they're scared about. And the first thing that they do is they decide they're going to take their health into their own hands. Very noble thing to do. I mean, I do it. And then they go and they look on the internet or social media. And so Dr. Google becomes the place of authority. And the first thing they do is lupus diet and the autoimmune paleo diet is what comes up very innocent. Usually people are just genuinely wanting to take a different perspective. And then they look at the diet and they find it and they say, wow, I can do this. Like I'm living in a food desert, but I could still do the autoimmune paleo diet. I have no functional medical doctors near me, but I can do this. And so what I have found is, is that it starts out quite innocently. People really wanting to take a different perspective as far as their health and their healing. And it goes off the rails in a lot of cases, not all. Can you describe what off the rail is observational for you or what you have witnessed? Yeah. So it's tricky in this world because when I see people have orthorexia or disordered eating, it is a largely silent suffering that is happening And a lot of people have benefits in their physical health in other ways. So, for instance, 
they get diagnosed with Hashimoto's. They consult Dr. Google. They join all the Facebook groups and Instagram followers, and they're very prepared. They don't have maybe a doctor helping them, or if they do, the doctor's promoted this kind of restriction and doesn't understand how to customize. And then they go on the diet and they get a benefit. Mm -hmm. Like they feel better. Their puffiness reduces. But what happens is, is that if a little bit is good, then more is better. And so then they start restricting more and getting more benefit at a cost. And so the cost might be an emotional cost, a spiritual cost. And so belief systems are always usually very tied up in that. Like I need to be strong enough to beat this disease. And the only way I'm going to be strong enough to beat this disease is to show it who's boss. And the only way I can show it who's boss is to prove to myself that food doesn't matter because I am here to reduce inflammation, people. (laughs) Very innocent, again, you know, like a very common, that's so human. And then it becomes unmanageable because there is a lot of shame that gets built up inside of people about their strength about their strength to heal themselves, about I should be willing to give up all of this food because I want out of this wheelchair. Very, also very human. And so it gets very convoluted. And then when they don't have a doctor or a clinician helping to support them or unconditionally reflect back in a loving way what they're seeing so that they don't feel threatened or scared or like they're doing more things wrong. Cause a lot of people come into, I just got diagnosed with this scary disease. What did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. And then they go through the restrictive diet protocols and then they don't feel good or they get better or they become afraid of food. And then they say, Oh wait, what did I doubly do wrong? Do you see that? Yeah. What you're describing for me, because I'm not a specialist of autoimmune protocol But it's very similar to people who come in with a desire to lose weight, right? It's their fault that they have gained weight and they should have been better than that. And they should have not had the food issue and they keep dieting in the wrong way, right? With restrictive diets or low calorie diet and it doesn't work. And then they blame themselves. And then it starts a spiral of mental, emotional, and spiritual side effect that drains them even further down. It's almost the same thing you're describing. Yeah, it is. So people that are the autoimmune protocol, what you have observed leads to disordered eating behavior. And I think you wrote a blog about that, the silence fruit about restrictive diet, AIP, and disordered eating. Yes, I did. So I, yeah, I wrote that it's on medium.com as well, but also on my website. And it was a accumulation of the experience that I've had working in primarily a restrictive diet practice for six years. And what happened was, was that what I saw and what I am seeing developed, especially over time with people who have been on a restrictive diet for long periods of time was so upsetting and startling that I just have to, I had to say something. So what you are observing is disordered eating behavior and orthorexia. Correct. And a lot of it. A lot of it. Yes. And when people come to your office, they express those behavior, you notice them. Do they even realize that they are expressing those behavior? Some do not. Usually 
because orthorexia is incredibly ingrained and entrenched in people's thinking because orthorexia is related to health, to pursuit of health, whereas classic disorders like bulimia are related to body image issues. And so we live in a, a marketing society that very much supports people who go after health. And so it gets very confusing and most people aren't even aware of how much it's taking control of their life. So I have those people, but then I have other people who are so far down into orthorexia, they're down to 10 foods and they already know that they have lost all control about how to feel any joy or acceptance with disease and eating that they just feel a hundred percent stuck. And those are people that come to me as well, mostly because word has gotten out that I'm a person who works in the autoimmune paleo world that is kind and doesn't judge and works, you know, I don't make people AIP harder. And so they just find me and say like, I know you understand this language. I'm scared. That happens and that's a lot. why you wrote the book, the loving diet, right? I think I wrote, I wrote <laughs> the, the book, the loving diet. Yes. So can you give us a couple of symptoms or clinical observation of somebody that would be perceive as orthorexic or behavior of orthorexia in the context of a restrictive diet slash AIP? They're consumed by food 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I, in fact, I just had a, someone message me two days ago that said that they went from paleo to keto, keto to carnivore. And now they are stuck and they don't know how to not have food be the enemy. So that's, those are a few. Food is the enemy. They feel scared. They're terrified. They feel paralyzed. They feel stuck. They feel confused. And food is a huge component of controlling food, planning food, shopping for food has taken up an unreasonable amount of time in their life. And what's special about that niche of people that have used diet to heal their body is that the fear, I almost see it as twice as big in which they believe that if they let go of some of the rules around food, their disease will come back or will get worse, or they will cause more condition in their body. So the biggest takeaway there from a spiritual perspective is, is that the rules are keeping them safe and that's actually false. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, we have to work on that. And that usually takes a little bit of time because it is something that's also socially acceptable. You're seen as a good follower. You are seen as someone who adheres to healthy living. That all gets very, very confusing when you go out into the world, both in the restrictive diet culture and the anti-diet culture. We see both on both sides. And so when we use rules for safety, that always raises red flags for me. So let's talk about the AIP protocol in your particular approach to it, because the AIP protocol is renowned, for those who don't know, the autoimmune protocol is renowned to be very restrictive, right? Yeah, and never studied for the emotional consequences. Really? <laughs> so we're, we're putting one of the, <laughs> we're putting people on the most restrictive diet that people have never studied to see if there's implications, that, that kind of restriction has emotional implications. So can I just throw in here, we, so science hasn't really studied emotional implications or psychological implications of long-term restriction, except for a few times. And so there's the Minnesota starvation experiment. Have you heard of that one, yes. Stephanie? 
So that was been one of the few times that science has actually studied what happens when we restrict and the profound implications of it. And it was so scary. What I mean, the, a lot of the people who were involved in that study said that they felt like they were being pushed to the brink of insanity. That's a big statement. And all they did on that diet was do calorie restriction. That's it. They didn't take out food groups. <laughs> all they did was say, here's men. And by the way, the men were, the only way you could get into the study is if you were of sound mind. Hmm. So you couldn't have been a traumatized person. And that's one of the things that's happening in the autoimmune paleo world is, is that people who are coming forward to say there's some very serious side effects of the restriction. We have to look at it and we have to believe people's stories. And what the response has been is that's people's trauma. Just that's not, that's not the diet. That's the trauma. But yet we have the Minnesota starvation experiment that show us otherwise. 36 young men that were in a study where for three to four months, they, all they did was reduce their calories to 1700 a day. They became obsessed about food in their free time. They read cookbooks. They talked about recipes. They planned what they were going to eat when they were done with the study. Profound implications, which is the exact same set of symptoms I am seeing in my practice. From people that have followed the restrictive diet slash AIP protocol. Correct. And now let's also say AIP is not a calorie restrictive diet. So there is differences here. Autoimmune paleo has no calorie restrictions. You can eat as much as you want. It's a different kind of restriction where we're taking out big food groups. You made a parallel in the segment you just spoke about trauma. And we know there's a link between early childhood trauma and autoimmune condition, right? Correct. So that I don't think it's been proven as causative, but it's an association or correlation between the two. Am I correct? Yes. So people that have been traumatized seek safety in their entire life. That's one of the patterns. So what's very interesting is that people also seek safety in a very restrictive rule-based diet. And that's why AIP fits so well within these people. Is that your I assessment? Believe, I believe that's true. Yes. Now, the good news is, is that we're all trying to seek safety. Yes. So that's fantastic. And a lot of us go through seeking safety outside of ourselves, which is autoimmune pillars, just one of many examples of how we go outside of ourselves to seek the safety. What I tell my clients when we're first getting started with healing the restrictive nature orthorexia from autoimmune paleo is there's really good news here. There's a part of you that has been searching for safety for a really long time, and that is to be celebrated. And it's very normal for us humans to go outside of ourselves to find the answers. And we do, and we try, and it doesn't work. So welcome to the, you know, the rest of us are in the same boat. And then we start going inward to find the safety on the inside. And that's why part of your work is spiritual healing alongside with dietary or physical healing. Correct. Although from my perspective, the only way we can truly heal is to get in touch with our spiritual nature. 
whatever that means to you. And that's an individual journey for each person. But the most effective way is getting in touch with our spiritual nature because the physical body is always the last thing to catch up. Our heart and our loving is the highest vibration. And so that's the first thing to create transformation. And so when we're out and we get diagnosed with a scary disease, and then that makes us scared. And so we go looking for safety. And a lot of times that comes from restriction, food, relationships, career. And we find out, oops, that doesn't work like almost all of us do. Then we start getting to work to examine where are the places inside of myself that need my loving. Because using our own loving to touch the places inside of us that are scared or frightened or need our loving is the safety that humans are doing a journey of. And that's what I find very interesting with intuitive eating is that we begin with an approach of letting go of the rules around food. People have to turn within to find their eating cues. And then they start connecting deeply with other part of themselves. And then the real healing happen, both internally and externally, because we get back within. Is that the same observation you have in your practice? Yeah. So when we have rules, there is always a setup of good, bad, pass, fail. That's the nature of what a rule is. And we can't find safety in that place. It just doesn't exist because loving transcends all of that. Loving is beyond duality. And so rules are duality. And loving is beyond good and bad. It's the gray zone. It's the gray zone. Yay for right. gray zoners. For the, it's the non-perfection. It's the gray zone. And for people seeking safety, I know for me, back in the days when I was looking at safety with my food, that was extremely scary to be in that place of no rules because I didn't trust myself. I didn't trust that I could make the right choices for myself. And so then did you work on how do I trust myself? And then the food just came into place? Well, yes, through body image. So I've been a, a, for people who don't know my story, my first diet was at 12 and I've always been in a larger body my whole life. So for me to find trust, I had to accept my body. That was the key igniter for me to be able to go within. I had to go through this phase of what I call body neutrality today to be able to go in and create my own safety within myself. Wow. So I have a question specifically for AIP into mm -hmm. the world of intuitive eating. So people who understand what you're teaching, right? We have to go within, we have to let go of rules. How do you approach food and letting go of the rules for people that have autoimmune condition? That's a big uh, question. The most effective way is to stop judging the part of ourselves that have made rules. Okay. And so the first step often I do with my clients is we're not even talking about food or body image. We're talking about what is it that you've decided. And so it's so natural for us to find safety by going outside of ourselves to either find a diet, find, you know, a set of rules dogma, whatever you want to call it. It's so natural for us to go do that. And the first thing I do with my clients is to appreciate that if there wasn't the loving pushing behind all of that, we wouldn't even be on that journey. And so like, wow, what a magnificent creators we are. And so the first thing I do is help my clients understand that 
protecting our hearts is a very normal thing, and we do it in all different kinds of ways. And how we get skewed from eating is just one way. It's one of the ways that affects a lot of people, though. And what's interesting about the AIP protocol, when I was thought that protocol back in, in my nutrition degree was always short-term and reintegration was part of this, right? It was never meant to be a protocol that was going to be lifelong restriction of all these foods. And that's where, for me, when I have folks that are on AIP, it's about testing food and it's about reintegrating food to see how your body reacts to it. Is that how you're approaching it with folks as well? Yes. Although, so one thing to consider is that when you have autoimmunity, there is physical dysregulation. So we cannot, from my perspective, we can't really abandon diet. When I say diet, maybe food is a better word. We can't abandon the role of food because some people produce antigens to chicken. (laughs) So, you know, like we want to be practical, but not have it be the safety. So, but we use practicality always but it's not the source of how we feel safe in our life in the world. And so what we see now is, is that a lot of people are saying, well, the people, the inventors of the autoimmune paleo diet never said that it's long-term, but yet when you go out and you look at what the real manifestation is of that, it's all long-term it's lifers. It's people who have YouTube channels and Instagram. And like, this is how I do AIP long-term. I did that. My website was called AIP lifestyle. You know, I mean, I have come out and publicly apologized for being a part of anything that might have facilitated that message. And I take ownership and responsibility for that. So what we're, what we're told and what we're seeing are two different things in my perspective. So for folks that are there that would want to transit out of that world, what would be the steps that they would have to take next? Are you talking about like people who've been at long term or like stuck um, there? Yeah. So we have so much testing now that wasn't even available. Labs that didn't even exist when AIP became on the scene. And so what I do is I first say, find someone who aligns with your values, like a practitioner, and then we can start doing testing. So you can do a stool test and look at your microbiome diversity. You can do a DNA test to find out like what genetic SNPs might be players here. Like maybe you don't hold bifidobacterium in your gut very well. That would be really important to know because bifidobacterium is so regulating to the gut mucosal immune system. What kind of foods do you have issues with? Like why go off of all spices if you don't need to? And so we, I blend having a conversation like we're not doing this for more than six weeks. And we're going to get you in touch with a doctor who believes that as well. And here's some tests for you to consider. So we can literally customize from the very beginning. And then oftentimes I will help support them in an emotional or energetic way. And when you're doing all of that, you can be nervous doing that. Like, you know, because it's so calming in a weird way to control, to find safety. And so I work with my clients of like, how are you feeling this week? you know, what's coming up. And so it tends to be a good plan when we make it somewhat comprehensive like that. Pull in new testing, have someone help you that you like, it isn't going to make you be a rule follower and customize, customize, customize. Is that what you call transformational eating? Yes. Well, the transformational eating program is something that I really formulated because I had so many clients with orthorexia with no place to go. And so what happens is, is that 
they're trying to find people like you and me who work in the gray area, right? And who understand that food has to stay practical and that while they're working through their inflammatory markers and, you know, figuring out their medication with their doctors, food has to play a role. And I'm teaching them the basic skills of what is it that you believe? Why do you believe it? And how to clear those beliefs. And when we do that, then food takes it moves from a central role as the way that I feel safe in my life to a practical role, which is, yep, it's going to help you. And, you know, you get to decide how you want to do it. Yeah, because the truth is food is only one part of health. It's not health altogether, right? When we look at what makes health, food does play a role, but it's not centric. I love that definition. We're getting close to the end, but I want to make sure that we tackle one last segment. And I know we did talk about that at the beginning when I wasn't recording, but the fix-it mentality that you describe in many of your content and what I see, right, using food as fixing our health or I need to fix myself mentality, call it the fix-it-myself mentality, is something that we both have observed in the anti-diet movement, What is your take on this? Anything that is, when I look at the vibrational structure of anti-diet movements and the rigidity, it's exactly the same as the diet movements, as the restrictive diet, diet movements. Healing does not happen in restriction of any kind, of any kind. What I want to say to this and what... Jessica, I, I wanted to call you Jess, but I don't know if you go by the name of Jess, but Jessica has described all along was a healing on the four plane of the human being, mind, body, spiritual, soul, and physical. And what Jessica described here, that vibrational in restriction is what I'm seeing more and more coming up in the anti-diet movement is people moving from what is currently keto, right? The number one dietary plane moving to anti-diet with the same, I don't want to say disease, but with the same false way of thinking, of feeling, and of being spiritually, and applied into an anti-diet movement. So we may let go of the rules physical, but we are still distorted in our way of thinking and our way of being with our emotion and our spirituality. And we're repeating the same dichotomy in the anti-diet world. Yeah, that, that you said it so well, we're repeating, you know, and so we're, we're swapping out no food for all food when maybe that look, but my spiritual perspective is, is that what might be freedom for one person is jail for another. And I would never assume the position to decide which goes where. And that in our hearts, in all of our hearts right now, we each have the tool set that can help us discern. If I want to be keto, let me think about that. And do I feel lack when I think about keto? Like there's something wrong that I need to fix about myself or do I feel abundance? Keto might work for people. So I would never assume that it doesn't. AIP might work for people. Intuitive eating might work for people, but that there is a perfectly formed compass that we're all born with that's called our heart that completely moves us out of the vibration of fixing and restriction when we keep checking in with that place that holds all the answers. And that, I feel like when we talk about the gray area, that to me is the gray area, which is restoration of safety. It's a restoration process when we can lean into our hearts 
to find out what's right for us and not follow the fix it template mode, which anti-diet is now a new template mode. Yes. And it's going to be coming up in my opinion. And I've said that for the last three months, I believe that the, that is the next dietary trend is going to be the anti-diet movement with all the no rules around food and accepting our body, but in a way that is not going to move people to healing on the four human layer, mental, spiritual, physical, and emotional plane. It's just going to keep us stuck in a pattern that is not going to heal us completely. It's just going to repeat the pattern. Right. The good news is, is that when we keep repeating the pattern, that's still that safety through our loving is still pushing up against that. So everybody will get there eventually. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And, and it does what I love about some of us that have been through health issue and have been through years of dieting and we kind of have to hit rock bottom for us to like actually see how we hold the answer within us. But when we do and we really apply connecting with ourselves, connecting with our heart, which you describe as a heart, what I call the innate wisdom, we propel so high. And I want to say rapidly, and then we turn and help other people. And that's both what you're doing and what I'm doing right now. There's no degree in that. This is just life experience and us having done, quote, the work. Yeah. Because when we hit rock bottom, we're willing to give up our agendas. Yes. And And our personality. And our personality. And so a lot of times in rock bottom, when we give up our agendas, there isn't any part of us that isn't holy. And the part of us that wants to diet or not diet, they're still holy. We're just not looking at them for the source of our safety. Yeah. So there's the difference between probably our work and both the restrictive diet and the anti-diet movement. Yeah. If we're going to close the interview, if you were to leave the audience with one quick exercise. Like, I know I didn't prep you for that. I didn't tell her I was going to ask that. (laughs) But one quick exercise for people to move towards their heart. What would you say? I would say for just a moment each day, take a few deep breaths and just get yourself centered. And then using your imagination, pull in the, maybe the, let's say you want to use the way that you want to eat, or like, is this diet right for me? Or how do I feel more safe and secure having Hashimoto's, whatever it might be, but actually create a a picture in your mind using your imagination and then pull it in real close, like lean into that and then see what you notice and see what you notice in your body and what, what you feel and trust that. That's why I'd say is the one thing of that really worked for me. Thank you very much for sharing that. And thank you very much for having been with us today and sharing your wisdom. Thank you, Stephanie. It was a pleasure to be here. So there you have it, ladies. I really want to hear from you, specifically if you are someone who is managing a health condition via food or have been in the past. And I want to hear your opinion on what me and Jessica discuss. And, or if you are currently in that, and this episode has opened up your mind, I'm going to give you a little bit of homework here for all of you. I'm going to give you three questions to ask yourself that 
may open you up to seeing other approach to food and to your health condition. The first question I want you to ask yourself is, what is my why? My secret why? Is it weight loss or is it healing? Or is it healing in a secret goal of potentially losing weight? That's the first question. The second question, and particularly for those of you who have been diagnosed with a health condition, have I looked at my health situation from all angles? Have I looked at emotions, thoughts, and spirituality? And the third question, do I have any feelings of guilt, shame, or diet mentality around this dietary protocol that I am in? And what could be the impact of those feelings and emotion on my current health situation? So I'll leave you with those three questions and I'll leave you to ask yourself that. And please reach out to me on social media. This is one episode that I really want to hear from you or even by email at info at stephaniedozier.com and share your thoughts, your perspective as well. So there you have it. I want to hear from you. Also, please leave a review on iTunes and Stitcher. That's really is helping us share this information with more women. I love you and I look forward to hang out with you on the next episode.